If you turn in your Bibles to Mark the 10th chapter, Mark the 10th chapter, we want to look at a familiar portion of Scripture, hopefully from a little bit of a different angle. We're all working on our Christmas list, no doubt. I have watched my children labor over long Christmas lists, especially the the younger ones. They have a Christmas list that really is disheartening to me because I know there's no way that it'll ever be filled. But they have labored over those Christmas lists. Everybody's excited about getting at least a portion of those lists fulfilled. I want to talk to you this morning about a different list, and I call it our lack list. L-A-C-K, the lack list. If you look in Mark, the 10th chapter, you have the very familiar verses of Scripture that deal with the rich young ruler. And it says, let's begin reading in verse 17. And I also wish, if you can, reach over back in Matthew, the 19th chapter. You don't have to do this, but I can just lay my Bible where I can see them both at the same time. But I want to pull verse 20 out of Matthew 19 because I think it ties directly into the subject this morning, which is our lack list. It's interesting how you put these together and read them in conjunction with each other and study them together. There's some things that come out from the different accounts that really enrich our experience in studying. So we're going to read Mark 10 and verse 17. And I'm going to lift out verse 20 from Matthew 19 of the same account so we can put it in a little bit better perspective. It says, when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, the rich young ruler said, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And then we grab verse 20 from Matthew 19. He says, the young man said unto him, all these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? What am I lacking? And that helps you put in a little better perspective. Jesus's response and back in Mark where he says, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. So the young man said, Jesus, what am I lacking? What do I lack? And Jesus said, One thing you're lacking. So the question before us this morning is, What's on our lack list? Now the word lack, which is the word used first by the rich young ruler, the word lack means inferior or to fall short or to be deficient. So the rich young ruler is asking, I've kept all these things that you have named. I've been a good boy. I've been a good young man. But I still feel like I'm lacking. I'm inferior in some way. And of course, Jesus responds and says, okay, then I'll tell you what you're lacking. And he goes on and and we'll get to that in just a moment. But I want you to see the setup there is this young man feels inferior this godly young man who's serving god and as we'll see doing some wonderful things we usually are very at least i am i'm usually very hard on the rich young ruler i feel a little more tender towards him today because he's a good young man he's a child of god no question (laughs) but he's got got something that he's lacking 
in his life. And I asked the question to us this morning, what is on our lack list? Do you even know that you have one? There's ways that we are all inferior in our discipleship. There's ways that we're all lacking in areas of, of weakness that we need to be strengthened in. I tell you, parents, you are a key to your children's lack list. A key. But if a, if a parent can't identify their own lack list, how in the world can they help somebody identify their lack list? Now I want you to notice, let's, let's break down what we've got here. It says back in the book of Mark account, it says when he was gone forth that there came one running and kneeled to him. Oh, that we would see the beautiful example of the desire of the rich young ruler. He didn't just come sauntering up to the Lord. You know, this is kind of a willy-nilly situation. No, he came running to Jesus. I, I don't know exactly what prompted that. Maybe he was trying to beat a big crowd before they encompassed Jesus and he couldn't get to him. Maybe he saw an opportunity to jet in there before anybody else tied him up with some healing or instruction or whatever. Well, for whatever reason, this indicates a great desire. Think about the things that you run to and the things that you uh, walk to. You've got to have a desire to run to something. I think about times when I've been late for something. I have literally run to go and do something when I have been late. Maybe I might be late for court occasionally and I would jog across the street. Thank goodness I'm across the, the, the street from the court. <laughs> and I, I can jog across the street. If somebody sees me doing that around 9 or 10, or I say, well, Brother Tim's late for court. You know, you run because you have a desire to be somewhere. This young man has a desire to be in the presence of Jesus. And so he runs. And not only does he run, but he kneels down. Oh, that we might find God's children running to Jesus and kneeling before him. You know, this is not metaphorical. You understand that? This man literally ran. You might say Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the, he is the brain of the church. He's also the center of the emotions of the church. And you might say it in some ways, this man is running to the church. He's kneeling to worship at the church because Christ is the embodiment of everything about the church. You see, I tell you, that's something that makes me feel ashamed. I think that might be on my lack list. Am I desiring the Lord in that way? He runs and he kneels. And then he addresses him by saying, good master. Good master. You know, I tell you, this young man could not run to the Lord in desire and zeal. This young man could not kneel before the King of kings and Lord of lords. This young man could not address the Lord as good and as master, except he be a child of God. And my purpose this morning is not to prove that this young man is a child of God, but it is evident from the scripture. Most of the views on this young man in the world are too bad. He missed out. And here's the funny thing about that. Most of the views, the religious views on the rich young ruler in the world, cast the rich young ruler into hell, which is the total opposite of the context of what Jesus is teaching here. That's what the apostles thought. They said, if this guy can't go to heaven, nobody can go to heaven. And Jesus says, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This young man's salvation is possible. And it's a reality because your salvation is not based on you keeping the commandments. But isn't it ironic that there's so many views on this in the world today, spiritual views that say it, poor, young, poor rich young ruler. And that is the exact opposite teaching of the context here, which Jesus looks upon this young man and forever ends the dispute on whether or not he's a child of God. It says he loved him. <laughs> There's no object of Jesus' love that will burn in the flames of hell. Amen. None. 
whatsoever. That's not my purpose this morning, but it bears mentioning for sure because we can all get in those types of attitudes and buy into those types of, uh, of, of teachings about this. And, and for most part, they sound good. But it's just not the context. It's just not the reality of this young man who, des- who came running, desiring Jesus, kneeling before him, worshiping him, and addressing him in, in a respectful way that the Pharisees rarely ever addressed him with. And if they addressed him in this way, they didn't mean it. <laughs> if they called him master, they were just kind of did it tongue in cheek. Now, here is this young man. Y'all, do y'all have the picture of this young man bowing before the Lord and his question, his lack in his, in his understanding is, what must I do to go to heaven? That's what he means when he says that I may inherit eternal life, which is kind of a misnomer. Think about it, because an inheritance has to come through, normally comes through a lineage, right? You know, you're an heir of someone. So it's kind of a misnomer. He's thinking, how do I inherit? How do I become an heir of God? And yet he's doing all these things. He's already demonstrated that he is an heir of God. But in his mind, he does not understand the connection between what he's doing and what his salvation is. So he bows before Jesus and he says, good master, what must I do? And I heard Brother Chris McCool preach on this recently and I really liked it. And it's almost like Jesus is responding tongue in cheek a little bit. The man says, good master, what must I do? And I robbed this unashamedly from Brother Chris. You can just see Jesus standing there with a little smirk on his face going, why are you calling me good? You know, you could just, that, that's the reality of the God man, the man who was in flesh, but he was also God. You know, he, he, you could just see him with a smirk and going, why would, you've answered your own question. If you're coming and asking me what you must do to eternal life and you're, for eternal life and you're calling me good master, you know what? You've already answered your question, man. You know, I can't be your good master unless I am your good master. <laughs> you see? And so Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's none good. That is God, but one, that's God. He says, you know the commandments. Now, the rich young ruler, again, is thinking along the lines of eternity and heir, uh, being an heir of the Lord. But Jesus is not responding to him with that same indication. You see, Jesus is responding to him about discipleship. He's not responding to him about sonship. But he's letting this man who is lacking in his understanding go through the mental process to lead him to the ultimate conclusion that thinking what you do is going to take you to heaven. If you if you follow that through, you'll always as a child of God, you'll come to the conclusion there's nothing I can do to get me to heaven. So Jesus is letting letting him work through that. Jesus says, you know, the commandments Now think about this. Now, we used to give the rich young ruler a hard time. He says, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, don't defraud anyone and honor your father and your mother. And the rich young ruler, he says, he says, master, he says, I have observed these things since my youth. Now the word observe is an interesting word because it carries the idea of isolation, to be on guard. This, listen to me carefully now, because this is... This is a stab in the heart of all legalists, okay? If somebody is isolating themselves, not getting their hands dirty, so to speak, and I'm not talking about going out and filling up on sin, but if you think isolating yourself is going to make you more godly, this is a stab in the heart of that. Because this rich young ruler, 
He isolated himself. That's what to observe means. He isolated himself from a lot of stuff growing up just to keep the Lord's law. And his failure to connect the purpose of that and how that relates to his eternal life is why he's standing before Jesus. You see, it's a stab in the heart to legalism. You're not going to make yourself more. As a matter of fact, Jesus condemned the Pharisees and he says, Woe unto you Pharisees, because you'll cross rivers and you'll cross mountains to proselytize someone and you make that person twofold more the child of hell. <laughs> That's pretty severe language, isn't it? So you'll cross, you'll cross a mountain, you know, you'll do what you want to do to make whatever impression you want to make. And you're just causing more trouble than you are good. Because you're not understanding what the purpose of keeping the law is. The purpose of keeping the law is not so you can go to heaven. The purpose of keeping the law is so you can honor God. And that we've been really hard on this young man. I have in, in sermons and thinking about just how he, could, he wouldn't give up that one thing and so forth. But this was a good young man. He had given up. He had not given in to peer pressure. And he had given up some experiences with other young people in order to be godly and to honor the Lord in the best way that he knew how. Now, he's about to get more information and go further along in his understanding of the Lord. But he, look, notice, it says, he, Jesus said, do not commit adultery. And this young man, and you might say adultery, you might include all sexual sin with adultery. Because that, that would be the ultimate sexual sin and break, breaking the covenant of marriage. And so, but let's just say he's saying to him all sexual sin. This young man had avoided all sexual sin. He was a pure young man. That's a good thing to avoid sexual sin. See, he was, he was doing the best that he knew how to guard himself and, I, and even isolate himself. I'm going to tell you, if somebody's going to be go this path and listen to me, if somebody has failed in this path, if somebody has failed to observe this, there is restoration in repentance and purity. You understand? God can restore that which is lost. And it's, through, it's not through some uh, magical uh, idea. It is through repentance. You see? This young man had isolated himself from temptation of sexual sin. I'll tell you, that is something today that is a very difficult thing for young people to do. Not just because of parents don't care and they let them go do anything and uh, and let them be anywhere they want to be. That's not the only reason. It's because of these iPhones and iPads and Internet and all these different things. It is very difficult to avoid such things. The rich young ruler would have a difficult time today observing the first commandment there that Jesus says, do not commit sexual sin. Very difficult thing to do these days. Somebody's got to, you, you can't just be, go along your way, ho-hum. You have to be deliberate with this. Parents, you have to be deliberate with this. Did you know, I said this before, back to just relationships. Not Forget about the phones, forget about the iPads. That's a whole other issue altogether that can be handled. It can be regulated. It can be um, something that's avoided so that you don't succumb to sexual sin. But I just want you to think about just the one-on-one -on -one relations between young men and young women. Did you know that every single example in the scripture of a young man being alone with a young woman, every single example without exception, it leads to disaster. It leads to something like 
uh, fornication, or it leads, even in extreme circumstances, to situations like rape or date rape, you might say. Every single example of a young person being left alone with another young person that are interested in each other, it leads to disaster. Now, if we can't learn from that, if we sit there and we look at that as parents and say, oh, that would never happen to my child, I trust them. You're lying to yourself. (laughs) You're lying to yourself. And a young person, if you sit there and you look at that and you say, well, that'll never happen to me because I'm I'm a strong Christian or I can resist, you're lying to yourself. See, one good thing about this rich young ruler is he did not trust himself. So he did not allow himself to be in situations to set himself up to fail. You will set yourself up to fail if you think you are 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You will set yourself up to fail. Every example in the scripture of two young people being alone that are romantically interested in each other, it always leads to something bad. We must learn from the scripture because it's given us to us as examples. So this rich young ruler, we need to praise him. We need to thank God that he did resist those type of temptations when he was young. Now, it also says he did not kill. That's good to know. He didn't murder anybody. <laughs> that's always a good thing. Don't kill people, okay? That's a good, that's, pretty, that's a no-brainer. But I think it also means that you can kill, you can be malicious towards someone. You can kill their reputation. You can kill their, uh, you know, their good time. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can kill people. You know, the apostle says over in the book of 1 John, you know, to hate your brother is to kill them. This young man had avoided killing. He had avoided assassinating the reputation of others. He also had avoided stealing from a young man. He also avoided bearing false witness. Uh, young guys, that means he didn't bear false witness even to his parents because he could not honor his father and mother if he bore false witness to them, Right? <laughs> So this young man did a lot of good things. He isolated himself from a lot of peer pressure and things growing up. He probably led a lonely young life. And I want you to know, if you're out there today, first of all, if you have sinned in some of these ways that we've looked at, there's always restoration through repentance. Jesus is the master of restoration and replacement therapy. I used to do this. I quit this. I don't just sit at home and twiddle my thumbs. I quit doing this. Now I do something that pleases God. God is the God of the gaps. You see, he will fill in those gaps, whether it's purity, whether it's somebody succumbing to the temptation to drink or to use drugs or to whatever it is. I'm telling you, God's got your answer no matter what your situation is. And I'm not just talking to the young folks because these things affect people of all ages. But if that's somebody has succumbed to those things and they think, well, I'm already past that, you know, there's just, yeah, you know, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because there's really no hope for me. <laughs> I tell you, there's hope for you, for sure. But if you're on that path and trying to resist and trying to stay away and trying to not give in to peer pressure like the rich young ruler was doing, that's a good thing. And it's lonely at times. I've told y'all before, there were times when Harold and Diane said, you know, you can't go here. And you can't do this. And you can't be with these people. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it because I wanted to make the scene. I thought in those days that I could live in both worlds. That I could keep my foot in the cool world, you know, where everybody liked me and I was making the scene. And I could also keep my other foot in God's world, in the kingdom, and say, well, these, these two can come, come together. But they can't. They can't come together. You're headed for a train crash if you think those two can come together. And the difference between keeping your both feet in the kingdom of God 
and being popular with the Lord and the kingdom of God, which is not going to get you on the front page of the news. <laughs> it's not going to get you heralded by the world. But the, the, ex, the joy in that is so much greater than having one foot in the world and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you've got both feet entangled in the world. It doesn't mean you're not living in the world. It doesn't mean you're isolating yourself from all things that happen. But it is a lonely path. I'm going to tell you, your Savior walked a lonely path. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So Jesus says, you know the commandments. And this young man says, since I was young, since I was a boy, I had a desire to keep these things. Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And you remember the verse in Matthew 19. He says, what lack I yet? This young man knew that he lacked something. See, his legalistic approach at staying away from these things to be more godly is about to be pierced in the heart. <laughs> Jesus is about to slay legalism in his life. Because he's thinking too, I've been good. I've stayed away. I've walked a lonely path. I have isolated myself from a lot of these things. That's all good. It's all good if we keep in perspective why we're doing that. And so the rich young ruler, he feels it inside. Do you feel that inside? I feel it all the time. What am I lacking? Lord, what if... Now look, this young man who we always, I always kind of give a hard time. I'm not giving him a hard time today because he just lacked one thing. <laughs> You know, there's many of us that lack many things. My lack list is a long list. This young man just lacked one thing. He was doing good things. He was not committing sexual sin. He was not killing. He was not stealing. He was not lying. And he was honoring his father and his mother. He was being respectful to them. And he was not defrauding anyone. He's got a lot of good things going for him. But I'm telling you, whether you're the rich young ruler or whether you have committed sexual sin and killed and stolen and borne false witness and defrauded and dishonored your father and your mother, I'm telling you, no matter what your situation may be, you're lacking something. We all lack. You know, the point of this is not we're going to be perfect and free from sin. We all have something that we lack. And this young man says, what am I lacking, Jesus? Now, if you're willing to come to Jesus and ask that question, it takes courage. It took courage for this young man who had it all together to come and humble himself at the feet of Jesus and ask the question, what do I lack? How am I inferior? And I love this right here. Back in the book of Mark. Look at verse 21. It says, Then Jesus beholding him loved him. It does not mean that Jesus just started loving the young man right there. But the word behold, the word behold means to, I would put it like this, to zero in on something. And it's not that Jesus didn't know these things, and it's not that he was not paying attention, but he really focuses in. The God man focuses in on this young man. He, the, behold, the word behold means to focus in and he really concentrates on this rich young ruler. And in his concentrating on this young man and really seeing him, he says he loved him. This is a child of God, a child touched by grace and by mercy. And Jesus loved this young man. And now that, the reason I belabor that point that you understand that Jesus loved him is because what he's about to say, what Jesus is about to say is born from his love for this young man. Jesus beholding him, loved him. And at, at the question of the young man, what do I lack? He says, one thing you lack. 
Now, the rich young ruler's one thing may not be your one thing. And you may have more than one thing. I dare say that I do. But Jesus says, out of love. You hear that? A lot of times people get mad. People tend to get mad at the preacher or even at a friend who comes to them in love and says, hey, look, you know, this is bothering me. I need to talk to you about this. We tend to sort of bow up at that or back off at that and say, well, they're getting in my business or they, you know, they... If they, did, if they really loved me, they wouldn't do this. That's the opposite of what's going on there. Jesus is taking this man's life apart because he loves him. You see that? He loves this young man. He loves what he's doing. But this young man is missing something. And of course, we know what it was. Jesus in the Matthew 19 account says, if you want to be perfect, that word perfect does not mean sinless. It means complete. He says, you're doing a lot of great things. And I love you for doing these great things. But if you want to be complete, then you go sell what you have. And you give to the poor. You take up your cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. You see, this young man, I believe, was like many young people are today. They're on a journey. He was on a journey of self-discovery. <laughs> They're trying to find out who he was. Let me tell you something. If you can shift that gear just a little bit, whether you're young or old, and go on a journey of Christ-discovery... See, that's the key right there. If you go on a journey, many people go off to college and they're on this journey of self-discovery and they begin to identify themselves by this thing or that thing. I've been there. I understand it. And that is going to always disappoint. It's always going to lead to a dead end or a train wreck. But if we go on a mission of Christ discovery, it will never disappoint you. Never. And of course, I'm sad to say that in verse 22... When Jesus says to him what his one thing he is lacking, what's on his lack list, verse 22 says he was sad at that saying. The word sad means gloomy or overcast. We'd have a beautiful sunshiny day out there. Yesterday and some days last week it was kind of overcast and kind of gloomy. That's the mood that exemplifies what this young man was in when he got confronted, when he had his spiritual walk dismantled and taken apart. When he lost sight of what the real purpose of why he was on this spiritual walk that he was on. He was overcast. It says that he was grieved. He was distressed. A phrase that I've been using here lately uh, to demonstrate this and to demonstrate what it means when the things that we value so highly, the things that we idolize when they let us down. Uh, The phrase I've been using lately is, do you lose it when you lose it? You know, that's a good indication uh, whenever, if you lose something that you have valued so highly, and then you lose it when you lose it, y'all understand what I'm saying? If you, just, if you just can't get over the fact that you've lost this thing, you know, it could be a relationship, it could be a person, it could be you know, something that, that you're trying to achieve, it could be a degree, it could be, if you lose it, I mean, if it just it's let you down so bad that you just, you just can't handle it, then that's probably an idol. You see, this young man was like that. He just lost it. Whenever he was confronted with the thing that was his idol, he went away sad and grieved. And don't ever forget that this young man is thinking now, this young man's mind is telling him, I'm going to hell. That's what he thinks has just happened here. He thinks that Jesus has just told him the recipe for him to get to heaven. Jesus has not told him any such thing because there's only one recipe to get to heaven. And the Lord has cooked that recipe up and it's Jesus Christ. It's his work. But this rich young ruler is thinking, i got to sell my possessions to go to heaven? That's what he's thinking. By the way, that's what the apostles are thinking. But they're all thinking the wrong way. (laughs) 
Jesus is talking about this young man's discipleship. Just go sell what you've got. Get this off of your list. So if you want some idea about whether or not you've got an idol, like this young man had the idol of his riches and his possessions, then the question is, do you lose it when you lose it? Is it an ultimate thing for you? I'm going to tell you, those things will always let you down. This can be whatever this is. On this young man's list, it was the list of great possessions. It could be so many different things on our list. It could be a position that you have on a particular view of politics. It could be an attitude. It could be a sin. It could be you have a victim mentality. All the world's against me. It could be anger. It could be the tongue that you can't control. It could be bitterness. It could be covetousness like this young man. He was covetous. He didn't want to let let those things go. And for the rich young ruler, notice that he connected his eternal life with his conduct. He made that connection in his mind that how I act and how I live and what I do and what I don't do merits me eternal life. But he failed to connect. Listen now. He failed to connect his idol, his idol worship of his riches with his lack of ability to maintain a discipleship walk. Y'all hear me? You see how that just led to confusion on the eternal side? And it led to confusion on the discipleship side. See? And what was the answer to both of those? Christ was the answer in both scenarios. He connected his conduct with his eternal life. Christ's conduct is what maintains our and gains our eternal life. He connected and he failed to connect his riches and his love of his riches in the fact that he couldn't walk with Jesus because those things were in his way. I tell you, we're a mess, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, we're just a mess. This guy looks like he's got it all together. He was nothing but a mess. Just over one thing. <laughs> now I look at my lack list and I got multiple things on there and I'm thinking, if that guy was a mess, I'm truly a mess. <laughs> so for us, will we ask, will we take to heart the response of what Jesus says is on our lack list? The, the definition of the word idol in the scripture, it means nothing. It means vanity. Nothing. An idol is nothing. I tell you, the riches of the rich young ruler, the possessions of the rich young ruler, they were nothing. They were a hindrance to him. They were keeping him from fellowshipping with Jesus. And where did it send the rich young ruler? It did not send him to hell. You see, Jesus loved him. But it sent him away sad and grieved in this life when he could have walked by the side of the master, the good master, the king of kings and lord of lords while he walked this earth. You know, God is the God of all possibilities. It was possible that the rich young ruler could have sold everything he had and said, yes, sir, I'm going to do it. And we would have probably read some more stuff about the life of the rich young ruler because we read about the women that followed him. We read about the apostles. We read about those that were interacting with him. But you never hear about the rich young ruler again because he was not willing to part with the thing that he lacked. You see? So I ask you the question, what is on your lack list? I mentioned a few things. Uh, just a moment ago. might be a position on politics, your attitude, a bad attitude, a sin, a victim mentality, an anger, your tongue, bitterness, covetousness. I mean, the list could be anything. It could be sexual sin. It could be any of those things that relate to what Jesus said to keep these things. It could be dishonoring your father and your mother. What's on your lack list? See, this, this rich young ruler just had one thing. I fear I've got many things. Many things that I look at and I think... I need to continue to work on this. I need to continue to focus on this. 
My things may not be your things on your lack list. Do you even know that you've got a lack list? If this young man who had been so good for all those years and avoided so many troubles and temptations in his life, and everybody looked at this young man and thought, that's a great guy right there. The apostles looked at him and thought, if anybody's going to heaven, this guy's going to heaven. Look how he lives. (laughs) That's a connection that cannot be made when you think about grace and mercy. When you look at somebody and what they do, you can say, praise God, the Lord's in their life. That's not why they're going to heaven, though. See? (laughs) But they connected that also. Said, this guy, if this guy can't make it, none of us have a chance. Aren't you glad that your salvation is based on mercy and grace and not on how we live? Praise God. But the question is, will we ask, is it my, is it my stinking attitude? <laughs> is it my bitterness? Is it my tongue? What is it that's on your lack list? For this rich young ruler, it was his riches. It was the things that he valued that were ultimate to him. I've told you this before, and... I don't say it lightly, but I love my wife from head to toe. I I, I love her and I I would do anything for her. But she and I, we have the mutual agreement that she is not an ultimate thing for me. I am not an ultimate thing for her. And that on on the natural side, that stings a little bit because you think, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, Brother Tim's not prioritizing. If I'm prioritizing Jesus Christ as my ultimate thing, then the relationship that I have with my wife is fine and dandy, (laughs) you see. But if I'm prioritizing her over my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and discipleship with the Lord, that gets on my lack list. And I'm telling you, from my standpoint, I'm going to let her down because I'm human. I'm a sinner. She's going, rarely, occasionally, she might let me down. But you see, if we value things over our relationship with the Lord like that, like the rich young ruler valued his possessions and riches over his walk with the Lord, those things become ultimate things. Now, me telling you that, and I've told you that a few times before, does not mean that Brother Tim doesn't love his wife as much as other people love their husbands and wives. That's not what that means. It ought to mean... (laughs) That I'm loving her more because I'm prioritizing Jesus Christ. You see? Now, do I struggle with that? Of course I do. <laughs> do. Do other people struggle with things that are on their life? Of course we struggle with that. That's just part of the Christian walk. Will you come to Jesus running, kneeling, seeking the Lord and asking, what am I lacking? I'm doing these good things. I'm doing, trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. But I'm lacking parents. The best thing that you can do for your children is to help them work on their lack list. I love all of my children. They're all unique in different ways. And they're all special to me in different ways. And, and maybe, I, maybe I see too much. Sometimes I wish I didn't know things I know. But maybe, I have a, maybe I'm too nosy. Maybe that's what it is. But I see their strengths. I see strengths and and I rejoice and encourage them in their strengths, but I also see their weaknesses. You know why? Because a lot of their weaknesses have come directly from old dad. (laughs) See? So they're doing great with their strengths and I'm going to encourage their strengths, but we have to sit down and we have to visit about those weaknesses because it's the weaknesses. It's the weaknesses that may send them to the feet of Jesus one day and say, Lord, what am I missing? 
And the Lord tells them through the word, through preaching, through the spirit, the Lord says, this is what you're missing. God forbid that I had failed to prepare them for those type of moments that they might get up and go away grieved. (laughs) You hear me? It's not just about me wanting them to be good kids. It's about me wanting them to see the glory of being willing to give up anything to follow the Lord Jesus Christ because He's worthy. I'll leave you with this telling lines of this hymn this morning from our hymn book. It goes like this. While beauty and youth are in their full prime and folly and fashion affect our whole time, Oh, let not the phantom our wishes engage. Let's live so in youth that we blush not in age. The vain and the young may attend us a while, but let not their flattery our prudence beguile. Let us covet those charms that shall never decay, nor listen to all that deceivers can say. I sigh not for beauty nor languish for wealth, but grant me kind providence, virtue, and health. Then richer than kings and far happier than they My days shall pass swiftly and sweetly away. For when age steals on me and youth is no more, the marvelous time shakes his glass at my door. What pleasure in beauty or wealth can I find? My beauty, my wealth is a sweet peace of mind. That peace, I'll preserve it, as pure as t'was given, shall last in my bosom an earnest of heaven. For virtue and wisdom can warm the cold scene, and sixty can flourish as well as 16. And when I the burden of life shall have borne, and death with his sickle shall cut the ripe corn, ascending to God without murmur or sigh, I'll bless the kind summons and lie down and die. Whether you're 60 or 16, these principles apply. Are we willing to ask the Lord, show me what's on my lack list? I tell you, I think you'd come out better to be asking the Lord about that because you probably already got your Christmas list made out. My kids are still working on theirs. But if there's one or more here that would like to follow the Lord, maybe that's on your lack list. Coming down, making that public profession and saying, I want to follow the Lord. The rich young ruler missed that. We give that opportunity as we stand and sing.